Hello there, space fans. Robin here. It is Friday, April 2nd, 2021. I'm here with a colleague and friend, Mary Liz Bender. Uh, she's a writer, poet, musician, dancer, <laughs> filmmaker, <laughs> just an all-around incredible person. We've been working together for uh, quite a while now. The first time we encountered each other was at the March for Science a few years back. Oh, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a long time ago, right? Yeah. And then it was Yuri's night, right? Right. Right. Right after that. Um, wow. But Mary Liz, a great way to intro this episode, which it would be to say that I just got my mind blown by uh, <laughs> Cosmic Perspective's latest release, which is audio and some video of the <laughs> Starship Prototype 11 crash which occurred earlier this week down in Boca Chica, Texas. Wow. For my first question is, how do you and your partner, Ryan Chalinski, do this? And tell me all the secrets so I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it's so funny. Like you asking that question, my brain instantly scrambled around and was like, how do we do this? <laughs> we are totally insane, first of all. Right, yes. <laughs> and as you also know, in uh, December in of last year, when SN8 made its debut, we fell in love. When we were just here visiting, we had been waiting around for an entire month for this liftoff to take place. And after SN8 flew, we instantly knew we need to be here. This is the place where we've decided to call home. So just in January, we turned around and immediately moved from Cape Canaveral, which is a place that is near and dear to my heart. But we immediately packed up the trucks and <laughs> headed across the country and we made a little home here. So I will tell you, the first thing is it is not easy. It's a lot of just constantly waiting around. As you know, SpaceX releases next to zero information about the test flights mm -hmm. until it's just imminent. Right. So there are many times where we're just speculating based on road closure information and, mm -hmm. you know, um, some so of the of journalists out there too, some of the yes. photographers out there, um, yes. they all have their own sources and stuff, right? Totally. And, you know, NASA Spaceflight does an incredible job of keeping us up to date on the daily news, you know, so we all we all watch that. And then, of course, we watch all of the various 24 hour uh, webcams uh, just to kind of get a sense of like what's moving, mm -hmm. what when do we expect this to happen? And so there's just a lot of hurry up and wait. And Right. And setting out, you know, remote cameras is just absolutely insane. I can't even describe it to you. It's like being a pirate. Right. Um, <laughs> lots of just tireless nights. And I'll say that since I think it was five days prior to SN11's launch, we had just started not only helping Tim build out his live stream studio, which right. we had been completely rewired and, you know, it's just this beautiful thing. But this is Tim Todd, the everyday astronaut who recently unveiled his Studio B, the Mars Studio, he's calling it. That's that, right. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really cool. And yeah, I feel like Tim's really doing some amazing stuff down there. Yeah, he absolutely is. And he's making a lot of this possible for us. I mean, if it weren't for Tim and S Padre, and S Padre, you know, if, if you don't know, Gene and Rachel 
are just the most amazing people in the right. universe. They're friends, and, yes. Oh, good. Yeah, we couldn't do a thing without yeah. them. Um, so basically, you know, Jean and Rachel have been living here for, you know, a lifetime and they own a surfing business here. Mm-hmm. And when Starship descended on uh, their community, they just fell in love and right. they've been documenting ever since the beginning. And so, you know, they're, they've been making a lot of things possible for us and we've been working together as a team all three of the of the crew (laughs) that is as padre everyday astronaut and ourselves and and so it's just like we couldn't do it without this massive team yeah i had lunch with them Ah, uh, when i was down there when um elon was giving a little bit of a talk it was one of the first prototypes it ended up collapsing during a pressure test on purpose Mm, yeah just a little bit of a little bit of a talk (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) gave a little bit of a talk a little bit of a that that little uh, I got to chat with him just for a sec right afterwards, and someone cut it for TikTok to make uh. it look like that I'm saying to Elon, "I don't believe you," and then he says, "There's the aliens would have attacked us already." Like we're having an <laughs> argument about aliens in uh, Texas, which that that happened, but it was edited to make make it look even weirder than it was. That's awesome. Um, but um, I, I remember I was watching live and yeah. I, I saw you ask that question. I just died <laughs> laughing like, oh my God, I knew I know, it. I, know. <laughs> I had to. Um, but anyway, I met some of these folks down in Boca Chica, Texas, and a lot of people are really enthusiastic. Obviously, there's always going to be folks who are not as enthusiastic, mm-hmm, and always. there's always going to be two sides uh, to that story. Mm-hmm. But um, the folks who are creating content down there, um, like mm-hmm. Espadre, Tim, who's been a longtime friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Austin Barnard, Austin, Devin, Trevor <laughs> Malvin, uh, a friend of ours who shoots for Ars Technica. John Krauss has been over there, who you all know, shoots for Supercluster and is now going to be shooting for the Inspiration4 mission, which Mary Liz and I will get into in a few minutes. But just a growing list of people mm-hmm. who are covering Starship down. Yeah. And, and you're saying, Mary Liz, that you guys are doing this as a team, some of you all. Yeah, you know what? And Trevor's part of that team. John's part of that team when he's right. here. Like, you know, it's it's just a giant team space, right. you know? So it's great. <laughs> we could not do it without each other. And it's so fun. We sent Pauline Ackland there ah, for yes. SN9. And that was, uh, we got some incredible breathtaking photos from oh, Pauline. She's amazing. Yeah. I mean, wow. I, we knew that she was going to deliver something special and the photos she produced were, they were like an otherworldly. They were mm-hmm. straight out of science fiction. Um, she has this eye for seeing a, like a wondrous fictional world and in, in the world that we see. Yeah. She always sees this, this layer that we don't. And it's so interesting and we're blessed to work with her uh, when we get to. Yeah, she needs to be here more often. Oh, I know. And uh, we're hopefully <laughs> everybody get, is. Yes. And we're hopefully going to get, Pauline down to uh, Texas again very soon. Good. So you and I covered missions and Ryan and you know and a lot of the people we just mentioned mm-hmm. together at Cape Canaveral for quite a few years. You're talking about this like sort of new you know new development for SpaceX. It, it, it's you know it, it, it's going both ways. There's going to be a success one week and um, what seems to be a failure the next week. Obviously, we define failure very differently in the space industry, or especially mm-hmm. uh, SpaceX does. But, you know, valleys and peaks with this testing. Mm-hmm. Your partner, Ryan, your co-founder of Cosmic Perspective, him and I 
got our start together. When Ryan and I covered our first mission, it was CRS-5, December 2014. And the original launch date for the Falcon 9 rocket, it was launching CRS-5 to the space station for NASA, a cargo dragon. And uh, I think the original launch date was December 18th. Ryan and I were part of a group of 50 people. And back then, barely anyone knew what SpaceX was doing. And they didn't launch on time ever. And (laughs) ever. And and, (laughs) I can't stress that enough. But late 2014, one scrub turned into two scrubbed a couple days at a time, turned into three scrubs, turned into four scrubs, turned into five scrubs. And now we are in in an entirely new year from 20 December 18, 2014 to January 10th, 2015. Wow. So starship schedule. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that's why I'm bringing this up because (laughs) Ryan is doing something he's already done. (laughs) And uh, and we are going to have Ryan on the show soon. He's been editing and cutting this video and which just premiered uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. But anyway, when I, I, I said earlier, there was 50 of us to start off with. In December 18, 2014, by the time the Falcon 9 lifted off that five in the morning uh, to the space station with Dragon, (laughs) it was me, Ryan Chalinski, and three other people. Oh, my God. I was going to say, I bet it was five. That's so funny. Yeah. And um, Ryan and I, you know, we didn't become good friends till later. And we always sent each other messages on Instagram. And I think I was the one who told Ryan to get back on Twitter. It might have oh, been me. Yeah. Man. I was I was like, Ryan, you need, I, I posted one of Ryan's photos and it got like a million retweets. I was like, Ryan, you need to get on Twitter immediately. But man, anyway, yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> and uh either way, we kept in touch, obviously. And then I think Ryan came back to Cape Canaveral and started doing full time. I started doing full time at Cape Canaveral, and we've been at it since. And now Ryan and is relocated along with you. From yep. Cape Canaveral to Texas. Port Isabel, specifically, okay. which is just about seven miles away from the Starship launch pad. Right. That's, yeah. that's ridiculously <laughs> close. When it's static fires, our house, we hear it, and uh-huh. it's, it's exciting, and there's some shaking <laughs> of the glass in the doors of our house. So we're close enough for some good action. (laughs) Yeah. I want to shout out my friend, Julie, who lives in the Waco McGregor area of Texas, Mm. where uh, SpaceX has their rocket and engine testing facility. She'll text me once in a while to let me know that, uh, oh, windows are shaking and (laughs) houses are shaking (laughs) when they're doing a powerful uh, Raptor test. That is my friend, Julie Hayes. She is an anchor down at KWTX in Waco. Um, Shout out to her. Shout out. Yeah. And I wanted to also mention real quick that Elon Musk tweeted earlier this week mm-hmm. that he's going to be giving upwards of 30 million, I think, yep, that's to right. the, lo- the local municipality to develop the downtown area near Boca Chica. And I think it was 10 million for the city and 20 million for the schools, something yep. like that. I also tweeted that Elon Musk did the exact same thing for the Waco McGregor area. And oh, no he, kidding. Yeah, he gave tens of millions of dollars to the school system and to the local area to develop, you know, a commercial area where there's uh, businesses and industry. Beautiful. SpaceX does not want to be the only business in this little industrial park that they're in, in mm-hmm. Waco and McGregor. So, yeah, they're, you know, 
I'm starting to see, you know, this week was one of those weeks where people took the opportunity to sort of call out what's going down on there. And some of people are looking at it at a, in a negative light. Well, debris <laughs> raining over Boca Chica. And I'm like, well, that's a, a very, very big over, oversimplification. But yeah. being down there now, Mary Liz, can you describe what the attitude and the, the mm-hmm. sort of vibe is around SpaceX um, being yeah. there? Yeah. And of course, like you said, there's always, you know, two sides and I've got my version and my perspective. And I think what's important to point out is that I'm always in the action. So I'm out with the community, you know, as much as we can be. (laughs) It's sad that we live in this time where we can't really be as close and personable as, um, As we want to be. But my interfaces with the community are always around launch day at Isla Blanca Park, for example. And there, that's where all the people that are at the RV park that are actually travelers from afar, typically, they don't know what's going on. They hear about a launch and then they sit out their lawn chairs and they watch all day and they're excited about it. Then there are people from the local community that come out to witness and take pictures. And then you've got people, of course, that are just SpaceX enthusiasts that come from all over the country. So everyone that comes around where I tend to be are very, very enthusiastic. One of the people is Marcella. She is absolutely incredible. She is always sharing the story of how SpaceX actually came here. And it was actually the community that reached out from here the scientific community reached out and said, please, this is the perfect place for a really? launch pad. Yeah. And so I'm, I was kind of amazed to hear that story and also encouraged. And then you've got people like S. Padre, Jean and Rachel, who I interviewed for our SN8 mini documentary. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's kind of a good one to get a pulse on, on our perspective and the people that we're talking to. Mary Liz, how do people find, I know some people right right now are probably trying to find your YouTube channel. How do people find this stuff real quick so they can pull it up? Yeah, really easy. So cosmicperspective.com or just a direct link, youtube.com slash cosmicperspective. Great. And yeah, it's all there. But that SN8 film is really, that was like uh, just a gift. Like it came to us. It was like, we discovered our voice and it, it was the reason we decided to come here. Yeah. And in it, you hear Rachel. I love the way Rachel talks about being a mom here. She has two incredible kids who are totally amazing adults now mm-hmm. <laughs> and help us out with all of the things that we're doing. But she says, you know, to be a mom and, and to understand what kind of major impact this is going to have on our community was encouraging to me. Like now there's industry, now there are new jobs and it's, it's not just like new random jobs. It's not just, you know, right. a new oil platform, which is, that's another industry that's coming in here. Right. It's, it's also like this thing that for her is a very inspiring hopeful way to contribute your talent and passion. And that's how I feel, of course. So that's mostly the story that I'm getting, but I'm, I know there are probably people that are worried, you know? Sure. There's always going to be folks who are worried and some, some you'll find ways to sympathize with them. And Mm -hmm. I do, depending on who you are, new business, new infrastructure, new, new is sometimes mm-hmm. the problem, right? It, it's hard. It's not right. always easy. It's hard to adjust. And, you know, 
when you have a, a society like ours, it's always changing. And what I see is, is technology is expanding out of the usual places, out of the Silicon Valley, off the coasts. And they're going into middle America. They're going into, you know, for instance, Texas. And this brings me to the point recently that's been a point of controversy. Um, Elon Musk sort of renaming the area Starbase. (laughs) And, you know, that was met with criticism and praise. Um, I don't think people should take it super seriously yet. Yeah. We're having fun with it. A super cluster. We made a patch. We think it's fun. I love um, it. Yeah. I, I love, you know, I think it, that's me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge science fiction nerd. I love it. But, you know, like I said, there's always going to be folks who find Elon Musk super odd and super weird. And sometimes oh, you, sometimes yeah. you can't blame him. Oh, no, totally, I, I totally get it. I mean, yeah. we that's why we fit in, right? Because we're right. Too, totally right. weird. But I, totally. I'll say that I've noticed that SpaceX, when they put out their statements on their website, when there's a mm-hmm. Starship launch, right. they say launching from Starbase, Starbase. In, tex- in Texas. So they're yeah. like, you can tell they're already just kind of calling the facility Starbase. They are. And- they are officially. And uh, mm-hmm. when we did our patch, our Starship patch, you know, we talked to our friends and the Starbase Texas part of the patch was definitely something that needed to be there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's a fun thing. I It just seemed like when you look at, and I want to call back one of Pauline Ackland's photos, which it just, when you look at the photo, it does look like a Starbase. There's just... Mm-hmm. So much development happening, and it does seem like a little tiny metropolis of starships is sort of appearing. And the taller booster that's being built now in the hangar. Super heavy. The super heavy booster, which everything you've seen so far in terms of starship prototypes has been the top section. (laughs) You still need the giant booster, which, you know, you can compare that to a, a gigantic Falcon 9 first stage has to propel that starship prototype that you've been seeing to orbit. That's the thing that does it. And while it seems like what they're doing right now is very difficult, launching this other booster, this (laughs) is going to be 10 times harder. It's going to be crazy. I I actually, so the super heavy booster that you're talking about is 70 meters tall. It's it's hard, I think, for people to understand the scale of this stuff. Right. Even for me, I mean, even just being off of that road, right on the side of the road, looking at it on the pad or looking at the super heavy booster inside the hangar, it's impossible to understand the scale. Actually, Felix from What About It just uh, did a really cool news update video mm-hmm. where he showcases the scale with some 3D renders by putting a little person on the grid fins, the eventual grid fins. And, oh, we need to take a look at that. Oh, it, it's absolutely wonderful. I think that's youtube.com slash whataboutit. <clears throat> One of my favorite photos that has come out of the Starship coverage came from Ryan. He took a photo of the star, I believe it was SN9, being mm-hmm. rolled down the road mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. hangar to the launch pad. And it's like a perfect, iconic Apollo Cape Canaveral photo where there's mm-hmm. like a family's in the foreground and a kid looking up at Starship. It's, it's a yeah. time life photo. Well, and it also, thank, thank you. I will pass that on to him. I feel the same way. It was, it was SN9 and SN10 rolling down the- Both of well, them, correct. SN, I think, yeah, SN9 was on the pad. SN10, mm-hmm. I think, was rolling down the street. I mm-hmm. was actually away. I was, quote, on Mars, which we'll talk about soon. And we'll get to next, yes. <laughs> 
But oh my gosh, when I saw that photo come through, I just, my heart fluttered. I realized that it was telling the perfect story. That's really, right. that's, that's what we're seeing here. That, that says it all. That's the perspective that there is new excitement. People are coming from everywhere. The community is coming out. They're bringing their entire families, people of all different backgrounds. And it's so cool to watch that excitement and see that the access is still open to all of us. And that won't always be the case at all. For now, it will, you know. And yeah, and boy, like we're take we're gonna take advantage of that as long as we can, because we know it won't always be there. But what what's so cool about that picture is that it really tells the story of this time. Like I know there's always going to be people that are worried about change and all of this, but to me, I mean, really try to expand timescales in your brain and think about what we're witnessing in this moment. This will be the spaceport to Mars. Right. <laughs> and it's happening. It's happening right now. It's being built before our eyes. And it is so cool to see not only the people that are excited about it on the sidelines, but these workers, I I cannot praise them enough. They work first, second, third shifts. There is never not someone welding on Starship or or the, you know, the fence. Right. They work <laughs> you know, 24/7. Never stops. Work yeah. never stops. And I and there's also I think it was the SN9 rollout that Ryan captured also on that YouTube our YouTube channel. Right. It's it was done in uh 180 stereoscopic and it's like you actually get a sense of the scale when you put on that VR headset and you're watching this massive thing, it's rolling down a dirt road. And there's just like, you can see this one guy with joystick controls that's moving the right. entire starship <laughs> to the bad. It's he's just technically piloting starship, which he's is crazy. technically a starship <laughs> wrangler. Yeah. It's, it's bonkers. And that's just, it's like, I keep saying it reminds me of a set from Firefly. <laughs> oh, I love that. And that is a really great comparison. My first time down there, I remember being sort of surprised by how the work was going on. It, it seemed to be 24-7. And I think I arrived first down there for Elon's talk. And then uh, Chris Gebhardt, our friend from mm. NSF, um, joined. And then Pauline uh, Acklin showed up. And I think it was at night. And we were all like, well, we need to go over there. We went over there at night. And people were working. It was really, really dark. So we're like, all right, guys, let's let's come back before sunrise. And uh, we all woke up and Elon Musk was staring at the same hotel as us. So we saw all his people like mm-hmm. getting their cars and stuff. And we drove over to the site at like 530 in the morning or something. And people were working like it was, mm-hmm. they're working like it was the middle of the day. There was tons and tons of people. And then you see Elon show up. Uh, he pulled in like right before us or right after us because he was like his car was over to the side somehow. And we saw him and Grimes. And I feel oh like, my gosh. yeah, we I feel like he he comes out there to inspire them to keep working. <laughs> I think yeah. he's like always there when he can be. And I think he adds to the morale of people and, and that morale makes people work <laughs> more. Absolutely. More you know, I, I've been really, really inspired by his singular vision which is not easy for someone like me. Um, I get excited about a lot of things and, you know, 
I want to figure out the whole complex system that supports one idea. Whereas he is really only concerned with making a rocket that gets to Mars, not really anything beyond that. And there's so much to fill in all the gaps around it, like the human experience. Um, (laughs) What is, what's it going to be like once we get there? And, And so and all the industries around it that have to support getting humans there. And, but his singular vision makes it really easy for him to say, this is what we're doing. This is the only thing to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. And when you have that kind of clarity, it's really easy to rally your troops and keep them excited about what they're doing. And also just keep so much positive forward momentum. So I've been, I've been pretty pretty inspired by that. I mean, there's, there's plenty (laughs) that's confusing along the way, but he does, he does come here a lot. Grimes comes here a lot. Because I, I, look, there's plenty of reason to criticize Elon, Mm -hmm. but the one criticism that I cannot agree with is that he doesn't work or he's just a guy that spends money. Um, I've seen Elon work. Mm -hmm. I've seen him tired. I've seen him without sleep. I've seen, I don't know. He's a worker. He works down in Texas. He's worked Mm -hmm. at Cape. He does things and he's an engineer and more than people know, you know, I don't know how he does it all. I really, really don't, but he, he is, he is the actual design engineer. He Mm -hmm. is, he is the one with the ideas and, and he's also, you know, Gwen, let's not, um, (laughs) Oh, <laughs> let's yeah. let's not forget that Gwen takes all of these crazy ideas and timelines and yeah. she actually yeah. makes it happen and she runs the team and she is such a I mean she's what the leader incredible- of SpaceX. She's you know, Elon mm-hmm. sees himself as a as a worker at SpaceX. If something goes wrong, it's on him because he's the chief engineer. But mm-hmm. Gwen Shotwell is an incredible leader. She yes manages the company day to day and all of that, all that that entails spearheading Starlink, uh, making sure humans can fly to space and back regularly. I mean, that's an insane responsibility. And she seems to, you know, she seems to be doing it seamlessly. (laughs) She's, she's out there doing interviews. She seems happy all the time. And I know that's, that's what I can't understand. Like, how are you so happy right now? How are you not entirely stressed out? And she gets all the money, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, She's amazing. She has to be a businesswoman and a visionary at the same time. You know, she does a really great job at it. I'd like to see her in the spotlight more. I'd really like to see more. We've been asking for that for a very long time. Haven't we? Um, Same. Yeah. We've been wanting Gwen Shotwell to come out and, do more interviews and do more press conferences and, and stuff like that. Um, we're <sighs> hoping for that more in the future. Amen. Uh, but I wanted to move this. We had a couple of easy segues. We didn't take them. Mary Liz and I don't do that. <laughs> we had a couple of easy segues into the next segment, but let's, let's just go ahead and jarringly bring it in. Uh, Mary Ouch. Liz, <laughs> Mary Liz recently became an analog astronaut. And I'm going to, you know, you go ahead and describe what that is and the adventure you've just been on. Wow. You know what's so crazy? I haven't even taken time to download my whole experience and like integrate it into my life and understand (laughs) what I've just gone through because the second I got back, Starship has just been this uh, chaotic schedule and it's been very exciting. But I'll start from the beginning. So in December of last year, 2020, I was approached by my dear friend, Cyan Proctor, Dr. Proctor, Mm -hmm. 
And she said, you know, I know that you really want to get into more into the human experience of spaceflight. Don't you know that there are analog astronaut experiences you can take part in? And I thought, oh, those those crazy Mars simulations from my dreams. Right. No, I didn't know that I could do that right now. And yeah. so she put me in touch with Michaela Masalova, the commander of High Seas, which is an incredible habitat that lives on the side of Volcano Mauna Loa on the big mm-hmm. island of Hawaii. Okay. And this place is magical. It looks just like the red planet and it the habitat itself lives right on the side of a fissure a volcanic fissure so mm-hmm. a very vast long series of lava tubes exists all around it the rocks are all completely red there is like no plant life to speak of and so not only does it look like mars but it actually acts like mars the lava tube systems that exist there are speculated by many scientists to be much like the lava tube systems that we'll find on Mars. And so Cyan put me in touch with Michaela, and it turned out that she was trying to select more people for her crew. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I said, I, I understand that you're doing a lot of astrobiology research. I'm really interested in art and the human experience of space and the psychology of the experience. And she said, perfect. That's what we're looking for. We need more people like you. Mm -hmm. So I very excitingly was accepted to a high seas mission, which also was done in partnership with NASA Goddard, but it was led by the Moonbase Alliance. Cool. Yeah. Such a cool research program. And so Part of that NASA research allowed me to not only do the research I wanted to do, but assist Michaela in her astrobiology research. So I got to go in a spacesuit out into the lava fields, which are vast and just, I mean, they they go on forever and ever as long as the eye can see. And you got to use these really cool compass systems to find your way around this insane lava. Like it's really hard to navigate. So we had some great training and we got to go select some little samples of life forms that we don't really understand a lot of. They're these biochemical life forms that actually migrate around lava tubes. And we're trying trying to like they're they're white and they they seem to feed off of some of the like maybe the sulfur or the other chemicals that are there. Don't quote me on this. My training wasn't that vast in 15 days. But you were the artist on the mission. <laughs> I'm the artist. <laughs> Let's just be clear. Um, but it looked great. No, um, I documented the whole thing as crew documentarian. Mm-hmm. But what's what's so fun is that after I got accepted, I was sharing my idea about what I wanted to do with friends. And Hillary Coe, who is the former design director of SpaceX mm-hmm. and was instrumental in the commercial crew program. She worked a little on Starship. She's a friend of Supercluster and a friend of mine. So I was happy to hear that she was part of that mission too. She's absolutely amazing. What an incredible human being and just wildly intelligent and such an amazing artist. And it just so happened that schedules aligned and she's like, 
uh, I'm, I want to go on this mission with you. So we kind of did like a, a joint mission where we both served as crew communicators slash mm-hmm. documentarians. Right. It was uh, mid January that we headed out to Hawaii after an insane amount of COVID testing, right. <laughs> all sorts right. of hoops, but it was so cool. I got to tell you, like, you know, I've already talked about some of those really cool epic moments, like going into the lava tube with a spacesuit on and traversing the lava fields. But Hillary and I had a little powwow about four days into the mission. And we suddenly realized that this was going to be very different from what we expected and not in a bad way, but Mm -hmm. in a different way. So she had gone, you know, wanting to do a lot of psychology research and and she did get to a lot of that. Mm. I had, you know, you know me, I had all these like crazy big ideas. I was going to do an earth to Mars based album where I sent time delayed tracks to a friend of mine, my friend, Kelly Snook, who made my music gloves. Mm -hmm. Um, She and I were going to do this like, you know, Mars earth album and all sorts of big ideas. And then we got there and we realized, oh my gosh, First of all, it is really difficult to try to maintain a schedule, uh, like the kind of schedule you're used to when you're totally disconnected from Earth. You're this like, sounds terrifying. It, it was really weird. I mean, not only did we not have access to the internet, social media, uh-huh. but but we noticed that just a few days in, we were forgetting about major Earth events. Like at the end of one day at dinner. We're all gathered around the table and Michaelis asked all of us, do you guys know what today is? And we all came back with blank faces and she mm-hmm. said, wow. it was inauguration day today on earth. Oh, wow. And it, that really shook me like how easy it is to disconnect from the planet. And, um, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like out, out of sight, out of mind is, is <laughs> it's proven it's quite yeah. true. It's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So a few days in, Hillary and I had a powwow at night and we're like, wow, you know, this is not the big grandiose thing that we were expecting. It's mm-hmm. actually becoming clear that this experience is really about the simple things, what right. it means to be human, what it means to interact with who we are with right now, not the people far away so much, mm-hmm. but how do we how do we just remain present? to this experience and enjoy each other and help each other out. And, um, and that, that really surprised me. I was not expecting it to be about like meal preparation (laughs) or playing board games at night and telling stories to one another. You know, it's a, it's a 1200 square foot, tiny little geodesic dome, a little buckyball. And there are six crew quarters, six crew. There were two engineers, two artists, one astrobiologist mission commander. It was it was just totally surreal to be also to come from a year of being locked down in a pandemic, not being able to hug people, which is really weird for me. And then to get in there and to know we'd all gone through this series of COVID tests and we were going to be living together in this tight quarters. We we recognized suddenly, wow, we're in a family now. This right. is uh, here's another surprising thing. I'm going to take a quick side note. You know, the last year we've heard like Chris Hadfield and and other astronauts come out and say, "Hey, we know what it's like to be in 
in lockdown. Here are some tips for uh, traversing the pandemic. I called BS on on this whole isolation thing. The second I got in there, I was like, wait a minute. This is like being not isolated. This is Mm -hmm. like being thrown into a six-person family. And suddenly you have to be completely surrounded at all times by other humans that, you know, are doing their own thing. And and it's um, very much not isolation. And part of that is, you know, it's challenging because there's no soundproof environment. You know, you can't really, you're, you're always part of whatever's going on, no matter where you are, even if you're in your crew quarters, but it's also super amazing and relieving, like to not have any real human contact for the last year and then to be thrown into a six person family and be able to hug each other and high five and sit at the dinner table without masks on and share stories for hours on end. Like that was the highlight to me of this whole experience. And I was flabbergasted by that. It's an unexpected thing to hear about the contrast and and comparison there. Cause yeah, I think the the space community, some folks did go a little too far with those comparisons early on (laughs) in the pandemic, but yeah, what what you described is it seems that it was more intimate than you expected. Very much so. Yeah. And I, you know, actually inverse.com just put out an article Mm. and included an interview of mine about this very thing. And I like the way they framed it, you know, they were asking me for advice on future Martian establishments or, mm. you know, ships like Starship. What, what kind of advice do you have? And I, I thought, man, one thing that would have made everybody's life so much better. And it sounds weird, but it's a really, really simple little design consideration. Mm-hmm. And that's just soundproofing the crew quarters. Right. And I'm the only reason is that like, I could never... I could never record a video or right. record vocals for a song I was working on without all this other audio or leading like talk, in. talk to your partner or yeah. like, or you're just always part of any conversation that's going on that. Right. I think, I, by the way, none of this was annoying to me in the 15 days I had there, but I just can't imagine a long duration. It's a psychology mission. thing, Mary Liz, you're, you're making a good point. And I think mm-hmm. that's a great, I think that's great feedback for human exploration is that we need to take into consideration long-term comfort, which plays into the psychology aspect, uh, happiness, just like stability. You know what I mean? I think that soundproofing is an easy thing that we can do. I feel like, and you know, people are going to get mad and and be like, well, Robin, that adds mass to the spacecraft. Well, I get that. (laughs) But um, I think soundproofing is a really smart, easy way to deal with privacy issues and and the stuff that you're talking about here. And I think it's great that someone like you went on this mission to talk about some of these things, because that's sort of what, what you're thing there was right is like the attitude the atmosphere the vibe the you know Mm -hmm. and and i do think that yes we need to overcome a lot of the technical challenges and we need to deal with radiation and we need to deal with how we deal with the bathroom but i think (laughs) don't get me started (laughs) i know i all of these things i think we need to be taken into consideration and even if they seem trivial they're not you know, I think, and, and and I think you bring up the soundproofing. 
Um, there's other stuff that need to be talked about and considered when sending mm-hmm. humans on a years long trip yeah. and going, going to Mars, no matter what the mission plan is, is going to be more than one year, maybe even at mm-hmm. least two years when you take in a travel, taking how long you're there and coming back. It's a very long thing. And there's only certain windows you can launch in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, SpaceX talks about Starship having, you know, movie theater and, you know, things like that. And I'm into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're necessary. I know it's hard. Sometimes we, we want to know that there's a, a specific purpose and that it's science. Right. But the truth is, like you were saying, all the technology we're developing right now is worth nothing if we can't you know, be happy and maintain calm and enjoy ourselves. Because I think a lot about, you know, obviously as an artist, my, my brain is always in this space of like Mm -hmm. trying to define the value of art, which just makes me crazy. But I think a lot about the dead poet society, you know, there's that beautiful scene in the classroom where Robin Williams is trying to explain why we write poetry and you know, this is what makes us human. This is what separates us from, you know, the machines. And, Mm. you know, I I mean, we can, we can, I I think that it's just really, really important for us to understand that humans require pleasure. They require happiness and we can't just keep chasing things that are, you know, the value is tangible. Right. We're not machines. That's the thing. It's like, we need, we need to look into the downtime, the leisure of mm-hmm. space travel. And coincidentally, um, as we are recording this podcast, I'm about to publish a an article about astronaut leisure time. Hey, so you can well check done. that yeah, so you can check that out <laughs> on supercluster.com whenever you're listening to this. It will already be published. And we're also doing a short video too, which will be really great out. Leisure time in space. I think it's called weekends in space. So I think people. I was gonna say. Yeah, we'll look into that. I was gonna say, is it gonna is it called leisure time or lack thereof? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a it's a great topic to to talk about because we are normalizing space beyond NASA astronauts and international astronauts and professionals that are going to space now. We are entering this new world where we are launching civilians and professionals from other industries who mm-hmm. will soon be going to orbit nice and, into there. The, into the space, and, and thank you. And into the <laughs> space and to the space station. Um, so that will bring me to the inspiration Four mission, which mm-hmm. is if you've been following Supercluster and if you follow SpaceX, you know that there is a private mission a, a civil, all civilian mission heading to space at the end of the year. And Mary Liz, I'm going to let you take it from here because you brought up Dr. Cyan Proctor earlier <laughs> and she was one of the winners of this seat. I knew it. And, uh, and I also want to um, shout out John Krause, who is a contributing photographer to Supercluster. He will be the official on the ground photographer for the mission. I hate that we have to say on the ground photographer, I know, don't I know. you? <laughs> yes. I, and you know what? We're saying that for now. We know that John's going to be going to space uh, s- sometime soon. But Mary Liz, tell us about this mission and you know what is it and what was you know your reaction to this new thing? Wow. Okay. So here's what happened. I was on Mars, right? In my Mm. Mars simulation, essentially in Hawaii. And the second that I quote, descended back to earth, 
my Ryan came and picked me up from the airport. And the first thing he said was, oh my God, we have to get you to space. And I was like, what? (laughs) So uh, this whole inspiration for thing, the contest had been going on while I was gone and I was totally disconnected. So of course I was like in a frenzy when I discovered that this new era of private space travel that you and I have been talking about for years and getting people excited about and trying to convince them was really coming. I couldn't believe it was already here. It was here (laughs) immediately. We went from first Richard, we went from two dudes flying on crew dragon to (laughs) to like just like a year or two later, an all civilian flight. And I think I'm also telling people that, I am surprised and shocked by how I thought we were going to have a few more years in between these two things happening, but we don't No, It's so, it's so incredible. So of course I'm just like, I'm just so stoked that the door is open, the portal to this new era. It's (laughs) the threshold has been crossed. We are here. So inspiration four is a mission commanded by Jared Isaacman who is just a very humble and seemingly wonderful human who made billions of dollars from a company that he started as a 16-year-old. So he made all of his money over time and he has always loved flying. You know, he's told a really cool story about he's how he's- yeah. Yeah. A mm-hmm. great pilot. I think mm-hmm. he, he trains many other, even military pilots. So it was, he had seen the crew- one launch. And he finally said, SpaceX, listen, I've been knocking on your door for a while, but Mm -hmm. now I am ready. Like that crew dragon is ready to take private civilians to space. Mm -hmm. And I want to be the first mission that's fully private. So shockingly, there is not one professional astronaut on this mission. No one who's been to space before. And, you know, I was talking to Hillary about this and it seems like a really cool move on SpaceX's part to say, you know, Crew Dragon is fully autonomous. Right. And it's it's been going to the space station autonomously for many years just mm-hmm. as a cargo ship right. um, and only a couple times now as a crew ship. So it's, you know, in so many ways, this is a very bold statement that's being made. Right. And they said, yeah, Jared, go for it. But you only, you have a little bit of time. If you want to launch this year, you got to pick your crew now. And so he and his team at Ship 4 Shop, you know, they, they threw this, um, this contest idea together. And honestly, I think it was super cool because, you know, we got to see how all of our friends, <laughs> all of the people that applied had to make a video and talk about themselves and why they want to go to space and what they would do with their experience. And I thought that was so cool. Uh, it was not an easy exercise for me to go through, but it was helpful. It was valuable. And I loved seeing like, you know, what's meaningful to to team space out there. And so we all pitched in and I, I was surprised not to see you as part of this contest. Uh, I must say. I, you know? uh, <laughs> everyone I think expects me to go to space with like aliens. Oh. I can't, I can't break that brand promise. I understand. I so need you're, to, you're waiting I for to, them. Well, I have to find them first. <laughs> I don't know how I got a loose plan for that. You, um, have, you just, haven't found them yet. I oh, that's f- interesting. Okay, so my strategy is a little different from everyone else's, I understand. Um, But I am one 
going to find aliens. First, find the proof of alien life. Then I'm going to find the aliens. Then I'm going to beg them for a quick trip to space. And then we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. Okay. That's cool. I am not, and, uh, you know, I am having a good time watching my friends make videos. It's cool. So we did inspiration for your friend, Dr. Cyan Proctor was chosen. Can she's not on the show with us right now. Can you just give our audience a quick of who she is? I know she's also an analog astronaut, an accomplished one. Yes, thank you. She is absolutely amazing and incredible. So I remember when I saw her video come through near the end of the contest, and I I immediately knew. I was like, oh my God. So I know her really well. And I think a lot of, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that more of her story gets out there because yeah. it is She's super, well known in the space community. People know yeah. her in the space community. Yeah, yeah totally. But... But what's so cool about her story is that she she's a geologist, she's a professor, mm-hmm. she has been doing long duration analog astronaut missions at high seas, I think MDRS. She has been studying space food. Right. She calls herself the space chef. So right. she's done all of the things that, you know, as a scientist and someone that's just so well versed in crew cohesion. And all these other factors that you would want from an astronaut, she applied to NASA and she right. actually. 2009, right? I think was it that's 2009? right. Yeah. That sounds not, right. Yeah. But I know that she got to the very, very finals and then she got the call from SUNY Williams and it mm-hmm. was a no. Right. And and she'd been dreaming of, of going to space her entire life and working toward that her whole life. And then she got to a certain age where she thought, I'm probably not going to ever be chosen by NASA and kind of, you know, threw her arms like, dang, that's, that's sad. Right. Well, little did she know <laughs> <There we are. laughs> that this private space yeah. era was already upon us. Right. And what I love is that just in the last year, I don't know if it was ignited by the pandemic, but I know that her and I's interactions was, you know, we started doing regular Zoom calls. She connected me to a bunch of other space musicians. And then she basically got all of us to go on analog missions. So we have That's her amazing. to thank. Yeah. For way more artist representation in mm-hmm. astronaut research. And and then she herself was like, man, I, you know, I'm an artist. Like she was starting to say, like, I'm an artist with a question I mean, mark at the a- beginning of the year. Yeah, and yeah, now. Yeah. Now look, like she was selected not as a scientist, but as an artist. And that like lit my heart on fire. So I'm really excited for her. We, uh, we met one time. It was off stage at Kennedy Space Center when they did the first Yuri's night under the shuttle Atlantis. Both of us were ambassadors and she was standing right next to me. We, We talked for like a minute and she said to me, she's like, she was wearing a chef hat. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make meals for the first people who go to Mars. And I'm like, that's meals, amazing. Meals for Mars. <laughs> yeah, meals yep. for Mars. And uh, she was a really cool person. And I've seen her all over. She, you know, Like I said, she's pretty well known in the community. We're really, really happy for her. And I'm going to hopefully be at that mission to see, see huh. them off. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, But well, anyway, uh, Mary Liz, you applied. Yeah. It was obviously we know the outcome. Mm-hmm. And do you think... A lot of the folks who applied for uh, Inspiration4 are now applying for the Dare Moon mission, yeah. which uh, a Japanese billionaire 
I can never pronounce his name. Can you, Mary Liz? Yusaku, Yusaku Maizawa. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Mary Liz is clearly the more sophisticated one here. No. Uh, oh, I, wouldn't go, I would not go that far. <laughs> the original plan was to take a group of artists with him on Starship on a cis lunar mission, which means Starship would just fly around the moon and then come back. And it's mm-hmm. supposed to be an inspirational mission to inspire these artists, you know, and that would be comprised of musicians, writers, painters, photographers, whatever. Fashion but now, see, yeah, fashion designers, <laughs> poets, etc. But the mission is, you know, they're taking more steps. They're accepting video submissions for folks who want to fly on this mission. We've already seen a couple of them. Tim Dodd, Everyday Astronaut, has put out one mm-hmm. very cool video. Hillary Coe, yeah, who you yeah. just spoke of, put out an incredible mm-hmm. video. John yep. Krauss put up. John put up a credible video. I'm not going to spoil them, but go find them on Twitter and or Instagram and look at their videos. They're really great. Mary Liz, are you going to be oh. applying for this? Oh, my heart. My heart. Okay. So I didn't make inspiration for. That's mm. okay. My dear friend made it. It's like, it's yeah. so, I just can't even believe that right. one of our community members is going. Right. It's incredible. Now, I hope that's the case. For Dear Moon too, I don't know. There are so many people all around the world. I think almost seven hundred thousand people applied. Right. Of course, I applied. I mean, Robin, I was there the day of the announcement in, in California. Yeah, right. in Hawthorne, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I was just like what twenty feet away from the stage when Elon, you know, introduces Yusaku and he comes out and he starts to talk about sending artists to the moon. I was weeping. I I did like a whole Instagram story afterwards where I was just destroyed. Like, oh my God, he's sending artists to the moon to translate the experience to the rest of us. This right. is like my life mission. It's what I'm so passionate about. And so of course, like the second they made the announcement, I emailed whatever email I could find on the mm-hmm. Dear Moon website and never heard back. That's cool. But now, you know, suddenly right off of like during the inspiration for contest before the winners had even been announced, we got the announcement from Yusaku that he was opening it up to kind of more than artists, like anybody who just considers themselves as creative and can Mm -hmm. use this experience to heighten the creativity of what they're doing. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, my head is spinning. I can't believe this new era. All right, I got to make a, a new application. And I'm telling you, I crushed that application. I like, I was never more proud of an application in my entire life. Amazing. But I did not get the step three email. So I couldn't, I couldn't make a video. So I'm a little heartbroken just that I didn't get the chance to make that video. But at the same time, it's like... I didn't know it worked like that. So the folks who did a video made it past one round already? Yes. And we don't Ah. know how because, like I said, it's 700,000. So I'm not taking this personally. I think it was like people are speculating that in order to go through 700,000 plus applications in a matter of a few days, they probably did like a filter on follower count. Although they were kind of all over the place, nothing below a thousand, I don't think. And then in addition, maybe some AI bots went in and searched for keywords in the right. application, mm-hmm. which or or it was random, or maybe they're still gonna roll out, you know, maybe they're making it easier on themselves so they only have to look at so many videos per right. term. Right. But anyway, 
I am so just happy to see all of these people first inspired by the inspiration for videos and now really like digging in and making their own. I just love to see more about our community members. You know, we like, we all live behind these handles, these Twitter handles. And yeah, we do. It's cool to see like, oh, deep down, this is what really lights them up. I love that. So I'm excited about it. And, And I'll say, I cannot wait for these missions to take place. And they're just opening the floodgates for so many more. And, you know, one thing I didn't say about Inspiration4 that is also uh, similar to, to the Starship mission, the windows on Starship are really geared towards the experience of looking out, right. Uh, right? out as a space, group. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so far, that's a huge engineering problem. I, I actually just interviewed a woman who is responsible, one of two women at JSC, Johnson Space Center, that are responsible for designing the windows in space. And I had no idea how difficult that engineering problem was. Mm-hmm. But, but Starship, you know, they've got this incredible design. If you've seen that, that awesome photo SpaceX released of the woman floating in a dress with a violin and she's floating in front of the window and you see just earth and space in the background. Such a cool photo. Oh, that lights me up. And Inspiration4 actually made the genius move of prioritizing the window. So because that mission is going to be in orbit for a few days, three days around the earth, and they're not docking to the space station, Mm -hmm. they decided to turn the hatch doorway into a giant cupola right. window. And so I'm I'm just so excited that non-astronauts, meaning people that aren't on a tight NASA schedule or, you know, space agency schedule that's bustling with scientific activities they have to do. Now, I know that they will be doing science, which is great, but I love that they have a little more leisure time. <laughs> mm-hmm to peer out the window or engage in, you know, whatever it is they've decided to engage in and just really immerse themselves in the actual experience. Because as you know, I've talked to many astronauts over the last few years. I've interviewed them about that moment where they look out the window and they all have to say like, there isn't a lot of time to even look out the window. And also, there's not a lot of time to really process right. what's going on, you know, and we get home and everything gets kind of crazy. It. Right. So I'm I'm super stoked that these missions are really just prioritizing what it's going to be like to look out the window right. and translate that for the rest of us on Earth. So one of the, the first person that was chosen for Jared Isaacsman, his crew, this is mm-hmm. his crew going. Um, flying up on Dragon at the end of the year. Uh, is it Haley Arcanal? She was... Mm-hmm. I think a- it's Arsenal. Arsenal, not- sorry. Yeah, you know me with names. Well, I'm not positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go with either of those. She was a cancer survivor, correct? And yeah. um, she was chosen to sort of represent uh, St. Jude's Hospital. Yeah. So part of this inspiration for a contest, folks had to create sort of a, an account with Jared's business it's sort of a, a a small entrepreneurial effort where you can create like a, a shop and sell items. And, and it was sort of tying into that. I know mm-hmm. John Krause, he was selling photos 
and oh, he, he raised thousands yeah, and 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 he donated the profits thousands of dollars. Ten thousand. Yeah, insane. It's I'm CJ. so proud of him. I was yeah. like, how did you sell that much? I sold like, yeah. you know. Well, you know what else is cool about Haley? Haley, her, because of the cancer that she survived as a child, mm-hmm. she actually had to get a prosthetic body part. And so she will be the first person to go to space with a prosthetic. That's amazing. And that's, that's a huge deal because that yeah. means like, wow. Obviously, space is an incredible environment for someone like right. that. Like, what a what an amazing thing for us to finally recognize and support, you know? So this opens up not just for artists and you know the people that that we are that we we've been wanting to go to space to do our own thing. This opens up to a whole new world of people that we hadn't thought about um, sending to space before, and it's just. That that is the most exciting thing, a huge step and a a very necessary step. And and the other crew is, oh gosh, I forgot his name. Christopher won the generosity seat, but he actually, he applied, didn't win, but his friend won and then transferred the winning to his friend. So it's like, oh my God. Imagine owing that favor to a friend. Oh God incredible hey mary liz remember that time i gave you my seat on dragon now i need a favor <laughs> whatever you want i know that's an ins that's now that's a friend like you that's a friend. i mean that dude's one okay he won't be an astronaut but now he's the world's best friend like yep. ever like ever. no one's better than him he's the bestest friend that anyone can find thank you <laughs> sir i hope nasa gives him a trophy for that I got to say, he is a Lockheed Martin engineer. His name is Christopher Sombrowski. That's right. I heard he was a Lockheed engineer. Good for Lockheed. Yeah. Getting to orbit. Good for you guys. (laughs) You got got one in there. The Uh, universe hooked you up. There you go. Um, So Mary Liz, what else? I mean, we've. I mean, are you just going to go to Mars now? I feel like that's where this is headed. If you were I, listening to this episode, you'd be like, well, if this was a story arc, mm-hmm. Mary Liz is going to end up going to Mars on Starship. Oh, yes yeah. or no? Absolutely. I'll mm-hmm. go on the first one. I've always said that since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because I, I get a lot of flack for this. They're like, that sounds like a a suicide mission or something. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. In my brain, I, I get that perspective, but in my right. brain, I I am totally on board with Elon on this. This is about protecting the light of consciousness. Right. <laughs> so I would do anything in my power to make sure that consciousness and humanity do move on. And, and I don't mean move on. I mean, expand our awareness. Right. Right. Um, take your, take our front print somewhere else. Spread, spread the love, if you yeah. will. And we have to do it consciously. And that's why I want to be part of the first cruise to go because I feel very adamant about that. And I want to make sure that when we go, we are taking care of ourselves and we're taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. And I see myself as I'm trying to figure out my title but I want to be some kind of community connector person. I love Um, that. Yeah. And so the next steps for me, I've actually been working with, of course, this analog astronaut mission was a big part of my research, but I've been really trying to figure out like, how do we 
use art to connect with ourselves, each other, and and the humans back on Earth once we venture out. So for me, that's always been music and visual art, and mostly music. That's my first language. And so I've been thinking a lot about instruments in space and the physics of instruments in space and how it's difficult to play a lot of traditional instruments in space and also bulky and like, you know, you hit the keys of the keyboard and you go shooting backwards and the flute, you, Mm. you blow into it and you shoot this way a little bit. So I've been really like researching, how are we going to express ourselves and, and communicate with one another with new tools in this new environment, which to me is the most exciting thing. Like that's to me, that's the frontier. I want to continue exploring what are the unknowns about our artistic expressions? And so I've got these music gloves that I'm absolutely obsessed with. <laughs> I, I knew I knew that the, <laughs> the music gloves were going to come up at least twice in this interview. Now, if you know Mary Liz and if you're friends with Mary Liz, you know about these gloves intimately. Tell, it's tell like our annoying, audience about them. No, I love it. Tell the <laughs> tell our audience about your music gloves, please. It's space oh technology. <laughs> They're incredible. So, you know, they're MIDI controllers, just like any MIDI controller. Um, The easiest thing for non-musicians to compare it to is like a keyboard where, you know, you can hook it up to your computer and then you hit the notes and you can change the sound of those notes. Well, these gloves behave in a similar way, except instead of pressing keys, you're bending your fingers. They've got like bend sensors that pick up the amount of bend in each knuckle. So that's, you know, two mm-hmm. knuckles per most fingers. Right. And and then from that, you teach the little interface, a little program. Um, this is what my fist looks like. And this is a one finger point. And you can kind of program your own, your own gestures and your own movements. And then from there, you tell the system, when I make a fist, I want you to play this chord. And when I do this weird gesture with my other hand and I move it around in space, I want you to take the reverb and make it go way up and way down. And so it's really, really, really cool. It was designed first by Imogen Heap, this incredible British pop star genius. And she really wanted to find a way to, you know, make music through movement and not just use like these, you know, kind of blocky movements that you do with keyboards you want or it other to be natural sort of yeah. Like, yeah, yeah like yeah, not more mm. not more like a robot less like a robot but with all of mm. the benefits of robotic engineering and so the first time i saw her present these i i mean i was like something changed in me and so for the last decade i have been blabbing about yeah. how incredible these gloves would be in space because they're so lightweight. Mm-hmm. They you can conjure up an entire orchestra at the at the tips of your fingers. You've got every single instrument that you could ever imagine. You can design instruments just by using the sounds of your environment and playing it back. And so I've been working with it, it has a motion sensor in it, and I've been working with the different ways that it might behave or misbehave in mm-hmm. zero gravity or in microgravity. And working with like creating generative music where no matter where you float around, it's going to sound beautiful and create a composition Uh, and then using the gestures to make obvious beats and and notes and chords. And 
So that's that's my thing. I'm. It sounds like I'm, your next step there is to either go get yeah, either get mm-hmm. one of those in space and have one an astronaut friend aboard the ISS try it out for you, or mm-hmm. you wait until you go yourself and bring one with you. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm going in parallel. I'm attacking both of those goals in parallel. So. Oh, great! No, I mean both of those are very feasible. The first one is very, very doable. Like we can, mm-hmm. given the open access, more open access of the space station now and private companies doing business. Um, there yeah. is a lot of opportunity to send something like this, this glove to the space station for folks to try out. Yeah. JSC has already been really excited about it and already been talking about the astronaut that would like to take them up. And so now it's a matter of making sure, because uh, this person is not a musician, so I got to right. make sure that I make something where they feel good. Like, I think right. I, I, I was talking to astronaut Nicole Stott about mm-hmm. the gloves, and she was like, ooh, I'm intimidated. I'm not a musician. And that's a thing. Like, right. I don't know where that came from in our history as a species, but mm-hmm. we are all musicians <laughs> inherently. And I want that kind of stigma or that weird separation to go away. And mm-hmm. so to create something where people can feel like they can express themselves, but it gives them kind of like a, maybe like bumper lanes, you know, right. <laughs> a bowling alley where they can't really mess up too bad. They can't play too many weird wrong notes at the same time. Yeah, um, That's what I'm working on right now for, for them. And then for me, I, I think next step is to get on a zero G flight and mm-hmm. see how that motion sensor works and and how it feels and just continue to hone in on that design and then yeah I'm going to Mars and I I want to do community performances and <laughs> oh my brain could go on for hours Mary Liz tells people yeah. that she's going to fly on the first mission I tell people I'm going to fly on the third That's probably wise <laughs> Yeah I'm uh <laughs> I'm not as brave as Mary Liz, clearly. Well, <laughs> I, I would say I am. I have to tell you, I have always been told that I am incredibly brave. I don't know if crazy might be part of it. I'm pretty sure like you have to be crazy. to. You be have to that. That's just a, has to be an underlying condition. Yeah. You have to be crazy and then you could be a space person, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah. I wanted to wrap this up, uh, Mary Liz. I think it was really fun. And I wanted to say that I hope that we're on Mars at the same time. Cause I could oh my just, God. Yeah. I could be your uh, assistant when you're doing music performances. Oh, please. You're no assistant. <laughs> but, but let me just say like, I, every time people are like, Oh, I wish you could have won con- the contest. Oh, I yeah. wish you could go. Like we're all yeah. saying to each other, Oh, I wish everybody. And I keep thinking to myself, we're all going to get into a starship together right. soon. It's right. not going to be that long from now. We're such a small community and everyone is everyone is confident. Everyone is enthusiastic. I think every single person has it in them to go to space. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to drive. Everyone that applied for inspiration for has it in them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I see it happening sooner than people think. And people are creating their own path there. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. they're evangelists for the space community, space industry. And Mm -hmm. they've, a lot of people have put in the work like yourself deserve this opportunity. And, you know, and I don't want to use the word deserve to imply that 
this is a gift that's given to you because I know that you're going to be, you're going to be taking this opportunity and working it. You know what I mean? You're going to turn, you're not going to wait. You're not, you're going to enjoy your time out there and you're going to, you're going to, you know, embrace space and you're going to, you know, do what you said. We have to have that overview effect. That is an important part of being up there. Mm-hmm. But you're yeah. the type of person that knows how important it is to be there and mm-hmm. will make every moment count. Yeah, you know? it's every every day. I start every day. Uh, I have my little coffee and I've got a little ritual I do. And and every time I think about these big ideas like this, it always brings me back to that. Right. All of this is done in service of the greater whole. All of all of these ideas, like going to space working on weird instruments, like it's really just following your heart. But right. in in actuality, this isn't like a, a solely self-serving thing. This is really about what are we doing to advance our species and to make the whole experience better for everyone and to, and to make sure that everyone is included and excited and heard and seen and gets the opportunity. Um, right. So I think that is our responsibility right now as the doors are opening up to make sure that we're always thinking about how are we making this a thing that is in service of the greater whole of our life. You see, the thing is building and manufacturing and doing the science is extraordinarily difficult. Space exploration is the hardest thing that we can do as a species, Mm -hmm. but there is even something harder that comes along with it. Is that how do you build a future in space? How do you build this community? How do you build this industry? But also make sure that it is also a great equalizer. Yes, because this know? is our this is our chance. Right. And you know, I, I gotta say, I won't go off on a tangent, but I gotta say, tragedy has also the ability to do that. Like, you know, hurricanes, tragedies come through, we all come together, we don't it doesn't cause conflict. It brings us together so we can solve these big challenges, much like space exploration. Right. I was very, very, very sad to see that the pandemic was one of those opportunities for us to come together around a right. tragedy. And we didn't, we lot, we missed that boat. Well, and so I want to make sure that we don't do that, that we have to be like Elon always says, entropy is not on your side. Things are going right. to fall apart. If right. we are not conscious to the fact that this is happening, it's happening quickly, and we have got to take responsibility for the way that it happens. Right. And we cannot make the same mistakes we've made here in space. And I think that is just a discussion that more and more people are having now. Mm-hmm. You know, as Starship development and, you know, we Mars Perseverance um, are making a human mission to Mars more and more real every day. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, we'll, it's approaching the horizon. Well, we will make mistakes is the thing. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of people that argue that we need to fix everything here first. And I right. think that is impossible. I don't, it's like, it's never going to happen. <laughs> you can't go to college until you're perfect. You know, no, you have to get out there. You have to make mistakes and you have to learn and be wiser. Right. And it's not a mutually exclusive endeavor, No, but we have to go out there consciously and thoughtfully. So I'm, I'm excited. I know you're excited. I can't wait till we all get on that starship together. <laughs> and it's just going to be, I think a few years from now, not Elon time, but yeah, pretty soon. I am, fast. you know, I am, I'm crossing my fingers. I want to be there. I want to be part of that. 
I think there are a few things in the world that really mark history. You know what I mean? And, and I Mm -hmm. think that starship development, I love that you guys are telling the story down there because it's something that everyone should share in. I love that when starship finally is possible that any person out there who has the dream of going to space can raise the money or save up to take a mission and, or take a trip on starship to space. I, Mm -hmm. I, I think that would definitely lead to some changes on earth. And I'm hoping that the overview Mm -hmm. effect, something that we talk about a lot in the space community all the time, I hope that it does have change. I think a lot of people who work in space exploration do see it as a catalyst for that, for that kind of change. I think that is the, one of the big reasons people work in space. They see it as a, a tool in some ways to uh, change hearts mm-hmm. and minds, inspire people, give people a, a brighter, cooler future to be excited about, I think is a big reason a lot of us do what we do. Absolutely. And and the truth is that inherently, when you go out into space and you have that new perspective of not only the earth floating in the vastness amongst the stars, and it is just this one living system, it becomes very clear, oh my gosh, we're all living on this shared system right. together. So you gain a new consciousness without even trying, but you also get a new perspective of time. Right. You know, you're, it's just all of life (laughs) living on that little blue marble. You think about the history, Carl Sagan says it best in his pale blue dot um, speech. It's absolutely stunning. But when you have an expanded view of space and time, which you're forced to have when you go out into space, you think very differently about the impact that you leave beyond yourself. And you think very differently about the shared system that you have on the planet and and how interconnected all of us are with one another in our environment. And so I think you can't even help coming back changed or, or being changed after that experience and wanting to do something that, that extends beyond your little, your little it's lifetime. Amazing. So and that's why we need to get out there. That's my hope. Liz, we have <laughs> one minute left and I'm going to ask you, I know. It's always great working with you on anything. You and I have worked on so many different things over the years. Um, The other day, uh, we published an article about AI, uh, AI and Mars. And uh, during research and editing, uh, one of the articles that popped up was on Intel. And then I remember I was, wait, wait a minute. Mary Liz and I did like a quick thing for Intel's online AI Academy. And uh, it came up in the research and I was like, I'm not citing myself. Get out of here. And uh, it was just so (laughs) interesting. And I I just remember all the little random things we've done together in the industry. And I'm grateful to uh, call you a colleague. And I I do miss our days at Cape Canaveral. Neither of us live there anymore. Mm, Um, But we did. I know. We did have some great times there. And we will have great times at Cape Canaveral again coming up soon. Mm -hmm. But um, I I hope hope to see Mm -hmm. you and Ryan and all of our friends down in Texas very soon. Everyone at Supercluster wants to get down there for a launch. So I imagine some of us uh, will be down there very soon. Good. Yeah, Yeah. you got to come while you Um, can. Yeah, <laughs> it's so special. I, I I cannot wait. Mary Liz, thank you so much, and um, we will see each other soon. We have to have Ryan on the show soon to talk about his filmmaking. Yeah, so we'll have you both on again, 
and uh, see you down in Texas. Perfect. Thanks, Robin. Miss you. See you soon.